Hello, and welcome back to The Latecomers. I'm Amity. I'm Lemuel. And we have just finished watching Pretty in... What color? Yellow. Mm, maybe enough. Maybe light green. Wow. Sometimes. Pink is just one of those colors Orange. that a colorblind person... It just fades into other colors, and I can't tell what I'm looking at. Does not see. But the movie is called Pretty in Pink. Starring the pinkest of actresses, Molly Ringwald. And before we get into the movie, how was your week? My week was actually, it was very busy. I got a lot of work done, though. Excellent. Yes, I did. It was really, how was your week? It was good. We had a mini party that I didn't know was going to happen on... One of those spontaneous parties our our housemate throws. Yes, on 420, uh, we had uh, tacos. Because Mexican food is what you do on 420. Sure. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's it's um like pre-gaming for Cinco de Mayo. There we go. And what else? That's about it. We went for a walk in Alameda this morning. Yes, it was beautiful. Did. It was a lovely day. And the weather's finally turned here. Yeah. Well, after don't weeks say that because in another week it's going to be raining again. It. Yes, it's been hot this weekend. Hot enough where I was like, "Where's the fan? We had a fan," and now I am marinating in indigo overtone. Another so color I can't see. It might be pink. Crunchy. Well, we'll see what happens. If there's crunching, it's my shower cap, and there's nothing I can do about it. I'm trying to keep my head as still as possible. We'll see what happens. You feel very domestic today. Yes. And then I will have purple hair. And who doesn't want purple hair? I don't want any hair. But well. <laughs> if I did have hair, purple would be a choice. You want to dive into the movie? Yeah, um, we can, yes. Okie doke. So we watched Pretty in Pink. In um, Pink. Because Lemuel had never seen any John Hughes movie. Now this, when we made the decision to do this movie, it was because neither of us had seen it, and I was under the impression that it was a written and directed by John Hughes film, but right. I was incorrect. So this movie is written by John Hughes, directed by Howard Deutsch, Mm -hmm. stars Molly Ringwald, is in that same Breakfast Club, 16 Candles, pre-St. Elmo's Fire, because it's the high school version, not the college version, uh, group of films. I didn't want to watch 16 Candles because... Of the overt racism Which that I knew was in it. When uh, at one point that day, I uh, I mentioned that I'd just seen Sixteen Candles to one of our other housemate. Um, oh, so you just you you misspoke? Well, I, yeah. I said, "What do you think of it?" And she, you know, she's Japanese. She had a reaction immediately yeah. to that film, and. Um, from, I haven't seen the movie either. I've heard it's pretty bad. Yeah, it's um, it's, it's pretty unconscionable, the Asian stereotype that is in that movie. I mean, it's, I guess, Breakfast at Tiffany's level right. bad, which is another film that I have not seen, so maybe we'll add that to and the list. And it's a very strange one, too. That that film is peculiar. Um, but, yeah, I, I so there was a meeting, and I was like, no, 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 wait, no, there was <laughs> there was no Asian stereotypes in this movie. This is this other film. Yeah. Um, which she had much better memories of, actually. Yes. But it, it it's odd how that immediately, I guess the two films get confused a lot. That doesn't surprise me. Um, I think, they're, I mean, John Hughes movies are 
similar to well, one another? There is one teen movie I did see of all the, the genre. Genre. <laughs> yeah. And that was some kind of wonderful, which right. is flipping this movie around. I actually will talk about that right. after this because but I know some information about that specifically. Yeah, it was so I've seen a version of this same story. Right. When you're saying that they're very similar, yeah, I've seen yeah. a different version. So of it. what I what I will tell you, hey, spoiler alert, we're gonna do a recap. So I don't know if that's even worth. There will saying. be spoilers. That's our spoiler. But alert. Um, you know, Andy, our Molly Ringwald character, ends up with Blaine. Our McCarthy, what's his name? Andrew McCarthy? Mm-hmm. Character? Joseph McCarthy, who uh, no, was not running for communist. And not Ducky, our John Cryer character. Um, though John Hughes wanted her to end up with Ducky, but test audiences and the studio were like, no. And I think test audiences and the studio made the right decision. Yeah. And we'll discuss why after. Yeah. It needs to be said. Then John Hughes mm-hmm. made some kind of wonderful to get the ending he wanted. That is what he did. So That's interesting. Yeah. But the characters in that film deserved each other. Well, the ki- we'll yeah, discuss we'll get why into this it. is not a, a great idea in this film. This movie made me feel very much like watching episodes of The Gilmore Girls makes me feel, where mm-hmm. I'm like, hey, how about none of these gentlemen? Oh, okay. I thought <laughs> you mentioned that everyone was talking too fast and it was impossible to process what they were actually no, saying. No, because I don't think that that's true. Plus, we watch everything with closed captioning, so... There we go. So, How does closed captioning work for the Gilmore Girls? Do they this, just sort of overlap it? Because everyone no, is talking not, so fast. they're not talking that fast. They're talking fast. very fast. Well, I don't know. Maybe I read fast. Let me start by reading some of the taglines for this film. Right. Because they are terrible. So on the poster, there was just a like a list tagline along mm-hmm. the whole side of the poster, and it just said, the laughter, the lovers, the friends, the fights, the talk, the hurt, the jealousy, the passion, the pressure, the real world. None of those things are true of this film. Yeah. So that's what was actually on the poster. The other taglines that uh, IMDb has informed me may or may not have been probably things like on the VHS release or whatever. He's good. She's good. He's just ducky. So the other, the other, well, the other two are basically spins on that same thing. Blaine's a pretty cool guy. Andy's pretty in pink. And Ducky's pretty crazy. And then he's crazy about her. She's crazy about him. He's just crazy. Like <laughs> I'm not sure exactly. There's what... a lot of problematic language around yeah. Ducky being called crazy. He's just, obnoxious. He's not he's, crazy. Right. I there's nothing wrong with him. Right. I just it's and his hair is perfect. There's nothing wrong with him that some medication wouldn't fix, frankly. No, that's the I, I thing, though. I, no, he no, doesn't he need medication. very hyper and very high-strung. And I don't well, even think he's got We like can discuss ADD. that when it comes to a particular scene that makes me think he, he needs some care. Mm-hmm. But not a lot of what he does in the film, true, is in any way indicates crazy or mental health issues. But yeah, yeah. we'll talk about the one no, particular thing. No, I don't even think like... An ADD medication. I he was a, he acting hormonal like a teenage mm. boy. But anyways, so do you want to lead right, us so into the plot? 
Andy Walsh is a high school senior, and this is Molly Ringwald. Molly Ringwald. She lives with her dad and in a working-class Chicago suburb. Now, the dad is continually underemployed. This yes. is Harry Dean Stanton, one of the great and character he's actors. Amazing, he is amazing in this movie. He has They have the best right. relationship of I was like, Andy, pick your dad. Fuck these other dudes. I mean, don't <laughs> fuck your dad, but don't end up with these guys. These guys are not worthy of you. Right. <laughs> we just wound up in a French film somehow. <laughs> Ugh, I, it was an accident. Well, see, Harry Dean Stanton is her dad. Their mom has left, or rather, Andy's mom has left. Mm-hmm. Um, Just apparently took off and abandoned them. Right. And Harry Dean Stanton is the perfect actor for this hangdog, brokenhearted mm-hmm. face. Uh, he looks like this the abandonment of his wife and uh, Andy's mom just broke him into pieces. Yeah. And so he spends most of his time lounging around, not looking for Asleep. Work. Right. Not even just lounging mm-hmm. around, but like us, like he's... He is a person mm-hmm. who could use some medication. Right. I think some antidepressants no, no, yes, would help him out. Yeah. Um, so, but they have a very good relationship. Um, Andy is a pretty together kid who has her own yeah. sense of style. She makes or uh, adapts clothes for herself. Right. Because yeah. she is very red. She <laughs> is. She's a, she's a pale. pale she's a redhead, red so she is pale. It's true. It's not her fault. I will add to the burden of redheads. Um, and she is constantly jokes. trying to get her dad to go to like job fairs right. and counseling to get. He's got a part time job, but not a full time job. Um, and then, ostensibly, the other person in Andy's life is her quote unquote best friend, Ducky. So the first time we meet Ducky, it's in school, right. and the way that they speak to each other is like two people who do not know each other. Well, I, what I didn't buy that relationship for the first ten minutes of this film. I didn't buy it for maybe the first hour. He she spends a lot of time shutting him down. Yep, and he spends well, a lot of time looks continuously trying, really exhausted impatient. by him, and. The Ducky. first, I think the first thing she says to mm-hmm. him is something like, Ducky, how are you doing? Which is like so formal and right. sort of distancing yeah. that I was like, wait, aren't they supposed to be like best friends? Yeah, I didn't get it at first. And then later on in the film I did. But it was almost it was very unconvincing in the very beginning. Yeah. But So she has her friend Ducky, who, you know, um, we'll talk about more. John Cryer. And uh, they're harassed and bullied a lot by the... Wealthy young, or yeah. the wealthy teens. There in the, appear to, to be two cliques in the school: mm-hmm. the poor's and the richies. Right. And she does refer to Blaine as a richie, which is also what Judd Nelson refers to her character as in the Breakfast Club. So that's a Hughesism, 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 Hughesism. And um, so. During the course of the story, you find out there's a guy, uh, Steph McKee. I don't know why his name is Steph. His name is Steph because it's Stefan, probably. Oh, Stefan. There we go. That'd be my guess. And he hits on Alex. She No, Andy. Andy, excuse me. She has none of it, and he calls her a bitch, which sets up everything yeah, that happens later James on That's James Spader doing the James, James Spader now, best. First of all, I would like to say that I know all these actors later on in life, so it sounded like they were being played at a record at high speed. They did have very high-pitched voices and, for you know, them. I wanted them to do like a Chipmunks reunion album. It was very, yeah. It was, they all sounded like they were 
squeaking at you. Like, and he's like, he's the villain, right? right? Well, apparently he'd been offered the role of Blaine, but wanted mm-hmm. to be a dick. Like, he's like, I've cornered the market on this teenage asshole thing, and I'm going to write it he, as long as I can. He is, he's very good at it. He is very good at it. He also, this was, he, just so that everyone knows, this is pretty James Spader. He's so beautiful. I <laughs> yeah, still think he's, that he's, I find, I don't know. He is so round now. There is a, a film. With the, without hair, his he- whole head is so round. There's a thriller that I really like that was one of those films released to very little fanfare uh, back when uh, Dream Lover with him and Mark Dynamic, you know, who we saw from Twin <laughs> Peaks. Is this a 90s film? Yeah. Okay. And the... Uh, Pre-secretary? Uh, yes. Yes. Okay. There is a very loving shot of him asleep. In this film. He's a good-looking dude. And I was looking at him going, oh, they really lit him to look like a statue. Like, you know, it yeah. was very funny. But I like which, him very much. If you ever find that film and you're not squeamish about the sort of um, kind of sexy mystery, that's actually a really good movie. But going back to our film. Um, so he hits on Andy. She wants to have none of it. He calls her a bitch, and that sets up everything that happens yeah. later on. And apparently he's been hitting on her nonstop. Right. Not nonstop, but like consistently for four years. And what? And she's like... You've had sex with every girl in the school. I'm not well, doing it. false, though, not about the film, but about him, but consistent, I suppose, is the idea that he then makes it this vendetta to go after her. Yeah. Even though in the end he can just ignore her. This is wounding his male pride somehow in yeah. a way that is almost too much to believe that he goes through all this trouble. Yeah. But, it's um, like she is a poor girl from the wrong side of the tracks that right. won't sleep with you. Why do you need to, like, make her your arch nemesis? Well, that and the fact that um, when he tells her there's nothing unique or special about her, there obviously is. Obviously there is. She is her own kind of style, and that's one of the things that's appealing about this movie. She's a very well-rounded character. Yeah. And she has all sorts of nuances. She has all sorts of weaknesses and all sorts of strengths. And I wonder if Benny, who is... Steph's girlfriend, mm-hmm. I guess, um, gets any marching orders from him to treat her so badly. That's because Kate Vernon. Everyone, remember, everyone in this film is, goes on to something. Yes. So she is, um, she is the one who is the woman, the girl, the rich girl that's mm-hmm. sort of making Andy's life hell. And Andy tries to skirt it, you know, when they're called out in class. Is it, you know, right. are they doing anything? Do you have and a Margaret problem Collin, with them? No. Nope. Again, this is such a, you know, this film, even the bit characters that I was looking at them going, God, these people all went on to something. Well, they, they have jobs for reasons. They're well, yeah, things. but also. Yeah, she was familiar, but I don't know who she is. Who right, is she? she was a the big, teacher. You're right, actress in the 80s and the early 90s. Okay. She was everywhere. She's a lot she of She was very familiar. She had she had one scene and she was good at it. But right. then I, but then I was like. probably, to a lot of people who didn't see a lot of television back then, probably more familiar as Tom Selleck's girlfriend in Three Men and a Baby. Oh, maybe. I'm and there's a couple sure of other things it, where she's a very striking woman, though, and just. Gee, there we go. Yeah. So, no but constantly, Andy is underplaying the mm-hmm. the issues she's having with these girls. She's not trying to exacerbate yeah, a she's thing. She's not trying to draw attention to She's not to trying herself. to get anybody in trouble. She's just trying to get to the end of her senior year I and think get the fuck out. pretty much her way with school is to get by. She's yeah. trying to get by without causing too many waves. But Although she does end up in the principal's office a couple of times right. for calling people out for treating 
other people right. poorly. But she doesn't concede on her own behalf, which makes her, again, an interesting yeah. and compelling character. I'm glad that she is not being pushed around by these guys. Right. Or these girls, as the case is. As the case is. So she works at a New Wave record store. Was it a New Wave record store? Yeah, that's because what I'm told. I feel like the record store that, yeah, I know that's what the Wikipedia thing says, but I feel like that album that she gives Blaine doesn't really fit into the New Wave vibe. Well, she also, it might be, and there are, at times, you're watching an adult version of this world. And so, it, you know, generally yeah. when that happens, it sort of slips a gear every once in a while, and you're yeah. aware that whoever made the film is not quite aware of what the swing scene is. Yeah. But so she, yeah, tracks. Annie Potts is there. She works there, and she works, yeah, Annie Potts Who is, is Iona. really fun in this movie. A note I have to make, though, too, is with this and her dad, and uh, um, Andy's dad, it seems like all the adults are suffering from some kind of arrested development. Yes, well, and Iona specifically, talk, they talk about mm-hmm. it. How she doesn't want to be a mom. She's mom-aged. She right. doesn't look mom-aged. Annie no, Pops looks not. great. And I don't know if she was younger right. in this role. Um, but she uh, looks fantastic and is rocking basically costumes every time every we time see her. Every um, And it's a, she's like Well, part of so it great. is that she, Annie Potts is a tiny slip of a thing. Yes. And so she could carry on this arrested adolescence for a really long time. Mm-hmm. It's also, I think, easy for women to uh-huh. do that. Um, well, I mean, now it's easy for men to do it. But yeah, she doesn't want to grow up. Right. And constantly is like, I could be your mom. I don't want to be a mom. I don't want to be mom-aged. <laughs> Something that also we should bring up in the film is that there's two points that will follow you throughout the movie. One of which is that uh, Steph really wants to crush Andy for turning him down. The other one is that the film is really centered around if she's not going to, will she or will she not go to the prom? Yeah. Which is a concern that I never had, so it's just baffling to me that it was so important for so people. So did you not have a prom? When I went to school, it was a, it was a, a parochial school, a religious school. They had a junior-senior banquet so the, because it was a such Okay, a and then you could dance, but and you had to leave six inches for the Holy Ghost? <laughs> Well, what happened is that I went as a junior because somebody asked me, and I didn't go as a senior because I just did not care. Fair. And I got a lot of criticism for that in my senior year of saying that I was being antisocial. I'm like, yeah, how long did it take you to yes, catch on? I don't want it. But, I mean... This so, is from the same people that were like, melancholy. Right. It's him over there. <laughs> exactly. So Weird that the melancholy one doesn't want to go to prom. But it was, so I, I didn't get it, but it's really important to her, and it's really important to their social well, life. Well, she doesn't a, necessarily want to go, because it isn't important to her, but Annie Potts is like, you're gonna... It becomes important, because it's important to everyone around her. Right. Annie Potts talks about a friend that she has, who is like an adult now, with mm-hmm. kids, and every once in a while she feels like she forgot something, and she realizes that she hasn't forgotten anything. She just thinks it's leftover, like, right. sadness of not going to prom. Now, I went to prom in a dress that my mom sewed for me. Yep. And uh, it was fine. <laughs> I probably Whoa. could have not gone to prom. That would have been fine, too. I went with friends, like, in a big group. There were, like, mm-hmm. six of us, like, three and three. Right. And two of them were dating. Two of them... We're not dating, but one of the boys wanted to be dating that girl. And then me and a third dude who were just part of the group. And that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> and I danced with all three of them. And uh, 
bathroom, the boys' bathroom overflowed. Oh, no. That's uh, a memory you want from your prom. Well, we were in the fire station, like, banquet hall thing. Clear Lake is a very small town. With is this not the fire station that we visited? We um, were right next right, door okay. to it. It had burned down. All right. The, yeah. The fire station burned down. That's what I said. Someone the fire station burned down. Well, no, it wasn't that. It was in those huge fires up in Northern California uh-huh. that took out whole towns. The fire station. It was not that. It wasn't the used. I'm sorry. It was still called the fire station, but it wasn't where the fire department is located anymore. It was like a hundred year old building that they used for banquets and things like yeah. that. So. But yeah, the bathroom overflowed. It wasn't bad water, like sewer water, but it was water on the floor, which the girls in their long dresses really loved. So yeah, I did. But I wore a. It was like a blue green dress with a sweetheart neckline and a big poofy skirt, and lace sleeves that like, like came down over my hands, and then like um, there's like a ring thing to hold what it on to the. This? 1998. Oh, my God. Think anything you've seen in Torrid or Hot Topic uh-huh. sewed by my mom. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. That's... I love that dress, but. I'm sorry. That's frightening me. Well, that's fine. And it was like an iridescent. So I wouldn't have been able to nope. see it. You would have looked like something I would have looked shimmering, like, an alien like from something. the old Star Trek or something. This is what an alien looks like. Yeah. No, oh you God. wouldn't have been able to see it. But, um, yeah, so I did go to prom. Um, so is it important? Is it important for people who... For some people uh-huh. it is. I didn't even want to go to my graduation. So I'm not... I'm on Andy's. I was the... In Clear Lake, everybody was poor, mm-hmm. really. I mean, there was levels of it, but it's a poor area. Right. Um, but I just wanted to get the fuck out of town. So I was like, whatever I need to do to get to the finish line, I'm going to do, and I'm just going to go. So well, I mean, that's good, though. You saw it as a, a direction. You saw the direction you wanted to go, and it wasn't there. Out. Yeah. I didn't know where, just out. elsewhere. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, so the, the prom was, that's not a big thing to me, but I also wasn't dating anybody at that point. Uh, so. Well, here, I think the problem is that she wants to be dating someone. She's already interested in um, <laughs> Blaine. Blaine. That just sounds... It's not a bad name, but it is spelled B-L-A-N-E and not B-L-A-I-N-E. Right, and this is um, a really, really young Andrew McCarthy. Yes. And, and he and, and um, James Spader are styled... So much alike. Yeah, well, because that that's what rich preps dressed like. Back then. And these sort of flowy clothes, too. It was, it, I don't know. A lot of blazers and pink tops. So. Fucking Spader in a, in a high school with all of his shirt buttons unbuttoned. I was like, this is not appropriate. Okay. So, so Blaine clearly likes Andy. Blaine clearly likes Andy. We he, have a lot of him, like, seeing her. Right. And he, being smitten by her whole thing. Her whole presentation. Mm-hmm. Because that's really what, oh, mm-hmm. not really what it's about, but that's a lot of what it's about. The fact that she, how she carries herself. Yeah. Um, she makes a date with him, an arrangement to go on a date, which angers her friend Ducky. 
Well, he doesn't even realize what's happening. Mm -hmm. And then Ducky goes to pick her up from work, like I guess he does every day. Right. To go to a club that he's not allowed in, but Andy goes in every night. The door is being watched by Andrew Dice Clay. Which, he's actually really good at this, too. Yeah, but he's just sort of doing a shtick the entire time, and then wound up yeah, carrying on that's... that shtick for the, his whole career. Well, that's what he was hired. So, the... He was already that. Well, he was hired to do that. There is a scene of him playing with a lighter that goes on for way too long. It has nothing it's to do with the rest of the film. It's 20 seconds. It's oh, fine. God, no. It's a 90 minute it's 20 movie. seconds of having to look at Andrew Dice Clay. It was fine. He had um, beautiful feathered hair. Um, and then, so Ducky goes to pick her up and she's mad because she feels like she's been stood up and he's like, but I'm here. And it's like, Ducky, why do you not know that not everything is about you? But also, why doesn't anybody say to Ducky what's going on? Right. Um, and then Blaine shows up. He's just late. He shows up. He winds up taking Andy to a party that she doesn't really want to go to. He says, first it starts with, do you want to change? And uh, she's like, I already did. So, oof. Right. <laughs> that's, that's strike one. And then, do you want to go to this party? And she's like, I don't really feel like going to a party with all of your rich-ass friends. Right. Like, they don't like me. What? No, it'll be fine. And so they make he makes her go to the party. Strike two! And then they end up somehow in Steph's bedroom? Well, what happens is that the party is just sort of a, a high school bacchanal. Yeah. As far as that'll go, women in their underwear, <laughs> men drinking... So they try to get away from the... I don't know that the, there's ever been a party like this. I've never been to a party like this, but... Well, it's halfway I'm to a nerd. genuine orgy, so it's, uh, maybe... I don't know. Um, yeah, sort of a half-hearted attempt at an orgy. <laughs> so they go upstairs to escape um, everyone and find that it's a bedroom being used by... Well, it's uh, Steph's Steph. bedroom. Yeah, but it's being used currently by Steph and his girlfriend. Benny. And why it, is her name Benny? Anyway, I don't, why is his name Steph? It's uh, like they switch genders or something, true. or at least in switch gender names. Names, gendered names. So um, Steph starts harassing Andy. Uh, Benny joins in on this. Yeah, she decides to leave, and to his credit, Blaine. Oh God, these names are ridiculous. <laughs> uh, sees it pretty much the same way, and they wind up going someplace else, which is the club where. Uh, Generally, Ducky is not allowed. Gen gen yeah, generally, Ducky doesn't get in. But he the got in. The bouncer, right. Andrew Dice Clay, stops him every night. Except this night because he goes in pretending to be Annie Potts' son. Son. She says that he's his son so that he can get in, which, I mean, it's not like movies. It's right. not like you need to be accompanied by an adult. Usually, that's not to how go clubs into a bar. work. There's all sorts of uncomfortable moments. Now it's. Uh, the working class uncomfortable as opposed to the rich people uncomfortable. But also it's Ducky puffing up and right. trying to be more to Andy. And being hostile. And being real hostile and a big baby. And at one point, um, violently kissing Annie Potts. Yeah. Who's meant to be an adult. And she later on talks about how this... Well, you could see on her uh, face, She, I was like, oh, I think Ducky might be a good kisser because she seems discombobulated. Well, she later on goes on about how it activated her thighs or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was really weird. But it was like a totally problematic with consent because he right. just basically grabs her, dips her, and kisses her, and then apologizes like, I know I shouldn't have done this, <laughs> and yet here we are. I have done it. So yeah, there's a lot of arguments with Ducky. 
Ducky wants Andy. Mm -hmm. But Ducky won't say that in a non-joking way. Right. So it's never, I don't know if Andy is choosing to be oblivious to the fact that Ducky's in love with her. Or is uh, choosing to believe him at face value where every time he says something, he then says he was kidding. Right. So I don't, I think it's a little bit of both. Mm. I think she is genuinely not interested in him. I don't think she is. And will take whatever reasoning that's going to keep her from having to be with him. I like the fact that she is very upfront with him the whole time. She's not leading him on. No. She's not trying to spare his feelings. She makes, um, she is very direct with how she feels about him, which is one of the things I liked about this. Yeah. She's not worried about hurting his feelings. Meanwhile, so, he is not in any way upfront about how he right. feels. Like, and I was really afraid that he was going to do the nice guy, but I'm the nice guy and I deserve you well, regardless it, of right. how you feel. But that saying. was, yes, at the time I was concerned about that Because too. the whole movie, that's what it feels like he's doing. And right. that's what this fight in the club was. So Blaine wants to take her home now. Because the evening has just gone completely off the rails. Yeah, no so where they go. he's like, well, well, she says, I want to go home, but I don't want you to take me right. home. Right. And it winds up that she doesn't want him to see where she lives. Right. And so that's the moment where you finally see her will. Not, she's very strong-willed, but you see her vulnerability. Is right. The, and she doesn't, right. I don't think she is ashamed about where she lives. But she doesn't want where she lives to affect how he sees her. Because he see she can see that he sees her in a very particular way. Right. Um, and she likes being seen that way. And, and again, this is about the construct that she puts out. Right. Which is together. not... It's not false in any way. Yeah. But it's a more put-together presentation of herself. And it's something that maybe adults could understand nuance-wise, but kids might just right. see where she's from and the end. Like, just... So, in the end, he winds up taking her home, they wind up kissing, um, and they wind up developing a relationship. Yes. It's very, again, and it may be very typical of teenagers, they're in love right away. This, They're just yeah. smitten with each other. Right away, it's, I love you, I'll always love you. I'm like, will you? I mean, kind of, you, but you not. You don't know them at all. But um, uh, Jack Andy's dad presents her with a pink dress he bought for her. Um, yes. And it's, uh, he says, I know it's a lot, but I think you could do something with it. Right. Because it's a lot. And then they have a, a heart-to-heart conversation about how he was able to afford it, how she knows that he's not working full-time or even yeah, part-time. I thought, because he says, uh-huh. I'm going to be starting a full-time job soon, and I'll tell you the details about it later. And then I was, like, weirdly afraid that he was going to become, like, the janitor at her school or something, <laughs> where it was going to be where he was afraid that he mm. was going to be humiliating right. to her. Um, that's not what happens. He just doesn't go get the job for whatever reason. He doesn't follow through because he's too depressed. That's why. No, There's not for whatever reason, but because he is too depressed, he does not follow through with getting the other job. It should be mentioned at this point also that having she can't she doesn't have any more contact with 
with Blaine. Blaine has been spoken to by Steph. Yeah, they... So, as Andy is talking to Iona about the date and, and how well it went and how she really likes him, Blaine is talking to Steph, and Steph is like, but she's, like, not... She's, like, nothing. She's mm. poor, and she's this, and she's that, and why would you? And Blaine is a weak-willed individual who is easily put off by the stronger-willed individual that is Steph. Despite the fact that stronger, weak-willed, they're all wearing the same sort of fluffy Alibaba kind of... But you can tell pants. how strong somebody's will is by how few buttons they there have they buttoned mm-hmm. on their jacket at school. Showing off their smooth... Uh, That's a lot of chest to be showing, like... At 10.30 on a Tuesday in a, in a high school. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> so, well, the, the end result is that uh, Andy's able to confront her father about his lying about work and also able to have a real emotional scene about how they both have to struggle to get over the fact that right. mom slash wife... She didn't just leave is, you. She left both right. of us. But now we have to, like, live our lives because... And, he, and to a certain extent, Dad was giving her things or trying to maintain the position that mom was supposed to do, he felt. Yeah. Including but I will say heart to heart talks about things that the dad felt he shouldn't talk to her about. Well it that be was a woman. the thing. Like mm-hmm. as they're talking about oh, he's asking her about Blaine and whether he she likes him and this, that and the other. And they have like a really great conversation. And at the end of the conversation he says, I'm sorry it's me right. that you have to talk to about this. And I'm like Fuck that. Like, you are killing it. Like, this conversation is better than 90% of parent-to-teen conversations about this particular subject. He should have no qualms about his parenting skills. He is murdering it. Now, if he could just pull himself together and his work situation together, he, he'll he be firing at all cylinders. Yeah. And again, he's a, they're, they're but a the really decent family. the parenting piece is like... He's so good. Yeah. <laughs> He's such a good dad. And she tells him that. Well, so they have their moment. She has another moment, however, with Blaine at school when she confronts him about why he's been ignoring her lately and then really puts it in his face. This is about their social status, about where they are in life. He's claiming that he can't take her to prom now because he asked somebody else and forgot. Months ago and forgot, yeah. And, and she just great screams at him in the hallways. Right. You're a fucking coward. And I was like, Like, inches from his face, she physically assaults him, which I thought was great, because he looks to, he looks kind of halfway between well, me and frightened. Because let's not kid yeah. ourselves, Molly Wald could kick Andrew McCarthy's yes, ass at this point. <laughs> Without even changing tactics, she could just pull his hair. Oh, that's true. But, um, so that happens, and that leads to Ducky deciding this was his moment and confronting Steph, waiting till Steph's back is turned up right ahead, and then running up and starting probably the most prissy boy fight I have ever seen in my it's life. not Like, two guys scary. swinging really hard not to hit each other's faces. It's very weird. It's not the face. Uh, it was, uh, yeah, I, I just had a, I was watching that going, this is just the least committed I've ever seen two people to actually beating each other up. Well, their hair. Like, they can't mess their hair up. It was very funny. It's very, yeah. And then um, Andy goes to Iona crying 
and asks for this pink prom dress that uh, Iona had worn um, to her own prom. And that, again, gives you an idea about not only Arrested Development, but how small Annie Potts is that she can wear the same dress that she wore to prom. Because there's a previous scene where she is wearing... She's wearing the dress. She puts on a beehive, and she and Andy dance like slow dance in her living room before mm-hmm. she gets ready to go on a date, a sushi date with a new gentleman caller who now Iona is dating, and she is dressed, I guess, like a mom. Mm, she's she's dressed like a say. backup dancer for the B fifty twos. She well, no, not even the B fifty twos. Like um, Smith. What is the the addicted to love? Dude. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, she looks like, uh, yeah, she's, because she's wearing like a button down shirt and a boxy jacket, mm-hmm. like a black, like, um, blazer. Oh, you would, right. You would. And then the only mom thing is this, uh, knot of pearls that she's got going on, but it, I don't know. So that they're like, pearls, does that mean you're going to dress like a mom? But she really likes this guy who is like, mm, he seems to be in his yeah, mid 40s. As opposed to Ducky. Right. So, uh, and it seems to be very nice, and she really likes him. So Andy, she's going to have a real relationship. I well, is going to have a real maybe. relationship. I don't know. I don't have much faith in her, but... I do. So Andy puts uh, her dad's dress that he bought for her, and Iona... Iona? Yeah. Her dress together, and... She cuts it. them both apart and then mushes them together right, into sort the of a ugliest Runway moment. dress that ever was. It, I hate it. it I hate was, it so much. I, it... <sighs> Having watched seasons of Project Runway yes. with you, all right, I she broke just about every rule that they tell people, and one of which is not to hide a woman inside of a dress. Yeah, you can't see her form. Right, it's just a straight column that like is it, that hangs basically from the neck, the lace at the neck, and it's just a straight column down, and then her arms are sort of bound to her sides, the way that she designed the sleeves. It's she, and it cuts her right. at her calf. It's a bad length. It's just not good. I'm not sure that was intentional or that was. An and apparently, fashion. Molly Ringwald hated the dress too. Well, so. I can understand why she hated the dress. It, it did not flatter her at all. No. Um, so she goes to the prom and she's about to turn her back on it because she realizes that all these people are there. She goes to the prom specifically so that people won't think they've broken her. Yep. Which I think she was very says, I'm going to walk in, I'm going to walk out, I'm going to go home, and then they'll know that they didn't win. But when she gets there, it's, you know, she's got to walk down this long hallway right. and up these this big staircase. And it's daunting. She's all by herself. And then who appears at the top of the stairs? Pew, pew, Ducky. And Ducky walks her in, and they go into the ballroom. He apologizes right, to her. Which is important to remember. <laughs> um, at the table where all the rich kids are sitting, you have both Blaine and Steph. Blaine has gone by himself. So oh, and, and Benny is there. And Benny. Steph wants well, to I mean, go so upstairs. Well, you have them included. I'm not saying it's all the only people at the table. Right, right, right. But the, yeah. whole, the, the conversation that's happening is Benny wants, or Steph wants to go upstairs. Steph mm-hmm. is like guzzling out of a flask and he wants to go upstairs with Benny and she's like but we're not going to see these people much longer and this like it's clear that this like prom is important to Benny and mm-hmm. Steph is like I don't give a fuck about this can well, we go bone upstairs like I don't want to be here. like every other day uh, I know right and then Blaine is sitting there sort of looking lost adrift 
Poor Blaine. See, now when Blaine sees Andy, he, uh, Steph starts criticizing, he becomes, you know. Yeah. And, uh, and then Blaine sort of has a moment where you almost literally see a light bulb turn on yeah. and move his head. Like, oh. It's like, wait a second, this is you. You've been pers- you, she turned you down, and this is the reason why you're I mad this- because she cock blocked you, mm-hmm. and so you've made me against her for no reason, just for your petty. Like, it's so weird. Why would it's just, I, it's a it's a motive that I don't understand. Well, uh, and I, then Blaine goes up and uh-huh. shakes Ducky's hand. I see. Now, when you say a motive you don't understand, I don't know if it's because I can't relate to the teenage experience, or because at times there were things that were done purely to move the plot along, regardless of whether they made sense. Right. It just so feels I'm puzzled to me by some of the moves that they, they pulled. Whole motivation. Like, mm-hmm. why are you making this woman your nemesis? Because she won't have sex with you. You're fucking Benny every three and a half seconds. Mm-hmm. Your dick is fine. <laughs> what is, like, why is this so important to you that you are trying to destroy this girl's life? Like, why do you care so I much? I can understand it for a limited amount of time, maybe, or if, but I can't understand his just going on obsessively about it. That's and why do you care what Blaine's guess. doing? And maybe that's true to that kind of character, maybe it's true to an angry teenager, I, I don't, don't know. know. It, it felt like a lot. But Blaine winds up apologizing uh, to Andy and... And to Ducky. Yeah, he shakes Ducky. Ducky's hand and, he's, and he says that he always believed in Andy. And he apologizes. And then... And he says, I'll always love you. We've had four conversations. We've kissed three times. I love you. And then he walks out. Ducky then advises uh, Andy to go after him and say, yes, he's not like the rest of them. He's not like the rest of them. And I'll never bring you to another prom if you don't go get him. So, yes. And then Then she she runs in her little tube dress. So not very fast, probably. And then catches up with them in the parking lot, and they mush face, end scene. And, well, not before we see that Ducky is called out by a Christy young Swanson. vampire hunter. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and he breaks the fourth wall and stares at us like... That's my favorite right. Ducky moment, when he looks right at the, at the camera like, fuck yeah, I'm going to go over there. <laughs> but there's also... It's weird how fast I'm over this girl I've been in love with forever. Um, and so he goes to dance with... Her credit is a duquette, so that's terrible. But, um, and then, yeah, and then Andy catches up with Blaine. Kisi, 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 end film. Now, this is something that we should discuss, too. Uh, first of all, is that, again, test audiences reacted very poorly to the notion of... Originally, Andy and Ducky were going to end up together. Um, and I can completely... Because the end. pores belong together. See, there's so many... That's literally the only yes. thing that those two have well, in common. Given that these were our only two choices, it there's not a there's not a good way for this to end. I Either want Andy to go to the Rhode Island School of Design and meet somebody there and learn how to make a dress. Is what I she want. can make a dress. She made a hideous. She garment. she liked it. Whatever. It's not my jam. But she's also eighteen. She's got time. Uh, she will. But yeah, rip she should definitely go to fashion. Yeah, well. <laughs> She needs to go to fashion school and become a designer. 
That's right. what I wanted. I wanted to see something about what she, what was going to happen to her after graduation, well, and we has... don't talk about any of no, that. No, because this is about their world and how it ends this night, and they became something else afterward. I think that... Now, I, I'd like to know that the film's over, have a... a, a we have to talk about Ducky. <laughs> this... Here's the thing. All right. Outside of Ducky, mm-hmm. here's the likable characters mm-hmm. in this movie. Andy? Mm-hmm. Dad, Iona, sometimes Blaine. Those are all the likable characters in this whole movie. Ducky is a dick from moment one. Right. Now, when you said earlier that you don't believe that he should be on medication, I said that I did. The scene where, there's two scenes in particular, where I look at it and go, that guy needs help. The first of which, where she goes home to check, Annie goes home to check to see if Blaine has called her, and there are four messages. Oh, yeah. Okay, try again. Four messages where Ducky is just calling her repeatedly yeah. over and over again. Yep. It's Ducky. It's Ducky. I'm going that kind It's 605. Right. It's 610. Right, exactly. I'm and like, that's the scene that makes me think, I don't know that that guy's right. The other scene involves him hanging out at her job. Yeah. And setting off the, the, the alarm on the door because he's coming in again in through the, I guess, through the back door. That, I, I got confused. And he kept setting off part. the alarm. Deliberately to interrupt her talking to Blaine. Her t- okay, that's what it was. So it's like in both of those instances, those were scenes where I felt if you're trying to tell me this guy doesn't need help, I'm not buying it. Mm, it's just some childish teenage he's destructive behavior. Destructive in a way, but also that kind of constantly calling on the phone. This is a stalker. Well, he's yeah. also driving his bike around her house to spy yeah, on her. Yeah, he rides past her all the time. So he's. And like, I understand when people boys, are like, "Oh, he should love. She should love Ducky," and I'm like, "For what?" Mm-hmm. There's nothing about him that presents as attractive. He is not nice to her. Uh-huh. He like as soon as she talks about anything that she cares about, he like tunes the fuck out. It's like he's doing a bit constantly. Right. He's never honest with her about how he actually feels. Like he's the most inane character. I don't like him at all. Here's what I will say. His hair is on point. However long that took to do those two rolls, whew, um, he does good. a real good lip sync to Otis Redding. Yeah, that I can that say. scene apparently was part of the audition process, and also he did it so many times that they destroyed those shoes, those ducky shoes. I can imagine, and that part was really impressive. That physically was really demanding. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I, I honestly think there's... There's one scene that uh-huh. makes me think, oh, they could actually be friends and he might actually be a real person. Right. And that's when they're studying together. And he's still trying to put one over on her about how much help he needs. Right. But the conversation in that scene feels less fake than all of their other conversations. Everything else feels like one or the other is putting on a show so that the other one can fill in the blanks in their conversation. Like, it's... Well, Ducky needs to be the center of attention all the time. And that way, he's sort of unpleasant because he can't allow anybody else, both in the club scene, uh, where she, you know, she runs into yeah. Ducky and Annie Potts, um, whether, you know, he makes an entrance and has to do this entire performance to Otis Redding. He just has to constantly be on. And I think what... Maybe audiences, the test audiences who had an, or an issue with that scene understood was that he just was would be difficult to be around. Yeah. 
Well, and apparently on the set, uh-huh. Molly Ringwald and uh, Andrew McCarthy were both not huge fans of John Cryer because really? I think John Cryer might have come in hot, very similar to his character, right. very outgoing, very outspoken, very me, 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 me. And I think that both Andrew McCarthy and Molly Ringwald are more reserved people. Mm-hmm. And so that wasn't really something they were on board with. Yeah, I just, I don't understand the, she should end up with Ducky. For what? And it turns out that... For why? <laughs> that, now, now, there's something that you wanted to bring up about Some Kind of Wonderful, which was the only team Yes, so apparently, and this is from from the IMDb trivia, John Hughes was unhappy with the ending. He wanted Andy to get together with Ducky. Here's why. It's the same as Joss Whedon. I'm sure Ducky is John Hughes. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Right, like yeah. John Hughes writes himself in Duck. It's the Anthony Michael Halls and it's the John Criers. But the film's ending of Andy getting together with Blaine was forced by the studio. In retaliation, he virtually made the same film all over again the following year with some kind of wonderful, a film about a similar love triangle. Hughes wanted Molly Ringwald to star in that as well, but she refused. He took it personally. She's done this before. And effectively ended their working relationship. They never worked together again. And I'm just like, ooh. Also, Robert Downey Jr. was almost cast as Ducky. And if that was the case, yeah, end up with Ducky. <laughs> Sorry, John Cryer, but you lose in a Robert Downey Jr. v. John Cryer fight. He might have been too pretty at the time to be, um, a part, to be Ducky, I think. Well, apparently they didn't want to hire um, Andrew McCarthy... They wanted a more jockey, bro-y dude, and they, both the director and the writer, have referred to Andrew McCarthy as twerpy, which really? is, yeah, uncharitable. And Molly Ringwald For those of like, the audience too young to remember what twerpy meant, because that was an old one. Just... No, I know. Right? I, I know like, what means, but... Um, but Molly Ringwald had a say in the casting, and she's like... Uh, he's the person that I would fall in love with. Like, that's my type. Mm-hmm. And so she got who she wanted. And Molly Ringwald says that the ending, the ducky ending might have stuck with Robert Downey Jr. because uh, he didn't give her the, quote, brother vibe John Cryer did. And I was like, Oof. Some kind of wonderful, the love triangle is Leah Thompson, Eric Stoltz, and Mary Stuart Masterson. And Mary Stuart Masterson's character is so much more appealing. Right. And right. She's she's really you and and I don't know if it's because she's going for less of a comic performance. But when she's looking at Eric Stolz looking at Leah Thompson, you can almost see how much this hurts her. And so you're really on her side in that film. Right. Which and is not, I, I wasn't on Ducky's side at any point because I'm like, God, you know, calm down. But yeah. I do think that he does this probably does the same thing where that he does in this scene this movie where the quote-unquote one who's supposed to get the girl mm-hmm. isn't a bad person, just might not be the right person for right. the girl. But in this case, it felt like they were, she was the, he was the right person for her because yeah. he really saw her right. and was intrigued by who she was. Where Ducky, I don't even know what Ducky wanted. Ducky I wanted the eighth grade version of her maybe. A good way to see this film is if you want to apply film critique language to it, or no, not language, because that would be in French, film critique ideas to it, is to say that 
Ducky represents the same arrested development as her father, as yeah. Irina. He's a person who he needs to be a big kid and needs to pay, be paid attention to, whereas Blaine represents the way that she's going in the future. And somebody who's not even a part of his environment either. Because yeah. he seems to be dissatisfied with... Mm-mm. When he's looking at the party from her eyes, he's just as dissatisfied with it. And yeah, he's like, oh, wow, no, they all suck. Right. You were right. <laughs> and so he's able to... So they're able to grow together. There's no room to grow with Ducky. No. Well, there because might be, it'll but be we the don't Ducky know. show everywhere That's they go. the other thing is you don't get a lot of Ducky. Ducky well, you don't get a I lot mean, what like, motivates of motivates Ducky. He, exactly. I don't know what it, what he's doing other than the fact that he needs to sort of be the class clown all the time. He'll make a great stand-up comedian someday. He'll make, uh, you know, he'll be the future Jim Carrey. He will not be the kind of person that you want to spend a lot of time with because, again, it's he just sort of sucks all the attention in a room. Yeah. And she needs to find her own direction, and she and needs to have so an adult in her life. And that was the other thing. I know you don't like Andrew Dice Clay, but he has maybe one of the more profound uh, things in the movie where, mm-hmm. you know, he's talking to Ducky and Ducky's like, let me go in even once. And he's like, I never let you in. And he goes, Andy comes here every night even though she knows right. that I never let you in. W- what do you think that means? And I'm like, yeah, dude. <laughs> She's not, you know, hiding anything. She's pretty upfront with the, nah. Right, well, so just the, you know, it's not necessarily I don't like Andrew Dice Clay. The Andrew Dice Clay personality, Yeah. I was around for the big Yeah. And what it allowed a lot of, not just comedians, but everyday people to go around yelling racial slurs. Oh, fair, yeah. And so every, that kind of humor, Yeah. it made a He didn't do any of that in this. No, no, in this film. So I actually liked him in this. He's playing a separate personality, but yeah. But I feel you on that, yeah. Issues of it is that, you know, a lot of people will quote it Oh, laugh, it's a joke. No, it's not funny. Um, there was a lot of that back then. But um, I was surprised by how much I actually liked her character in the film. Yeah. I didn't like Ducky. I didn't particularly like Blaine, although I can I see mean, where he Blaine becomes more sympathetic. Blaine was fine, but he was pretty milquetoast, and I'm right. sort of like, you're not interesting. What are your goals? He doesn't seem to have anything. <laughs> and I like... But I, I like Harry Dean Stanton's character. I like yeah, that Potts. family relationship is very cool. Iona yeah. is very cool. But like that love triangle piece mm-hmm. was the least interesting part of the movie for me. And it's, you know, 80% of the movie. If it was more about her independent of these men mm-hmm. or boys, really. I almost wanted to be more similar to, oh, what's the movie with Tom Cruise where he's a football player and he's Trying all, the to right get moves. In, all the right moves. So he's trying to get into college. Right. So we're trying to figure out what his future is going to be. Like, that's the thrust of the film. Which is one of the few Tom Cruise movies I really like. Um, because I felt that... I that felt like that's... I want character. more of that right. from this movie. Like, what is the, the rest of her life going to be? Right. Not, let's focus on her prom experience. Which, I understand, that's what this movie is. So mm-hmm. I shouldn't take it and be like, well, you should have made this other movie. But... I don't and care about this I think as much. What we have to remember is that neither of us are the target audience for this film. No, that's true. But even uh, when I was a kid, right. at 16, I wouldn't have liked this either. I don't think. I think it's important for kids to see themselves as the cool character with all the jokes or the cool rich kid with all the, the, the toys. But I was the poor girl. Right. So. 
And I don't see how she afforded some of her gadgets to her car in particular. Well, um, she was working. Yeah, but still, I'm looking at this going, everything's sort of dolled up in her particular way, which I liked. Um, but you can do time, that if you're doing it all yourself. If you're, if it's a DIY situation, mm-hmm. you can do a lot for very little. And I think she probably like ransacked Iona's closets and things like that, and got okay. free stuff from you know trinkets. That was and the part stuff that I was her. sort of puzzled by. Oh yeah, but, more um, people will will decorate a space. But yeah, I, I enjoyed. I enjoyed. Well, poor people really compare her place to Ducky's place, which is basically a mattress and. I, I don't understand. He, he looks like he's in prison. In right, the I, that he's yeah. at home. It's weird. It's a porn film set, I think, where he lives. It's, it's very weird. strange, and I'm not sure we're supposed to or where. I think he was in like the attic room of his house. That's what it looked like to me. It was very strange because I didn't get a sense like that's even. And he's just sitting in there by himself on a mattress on the floor, thinking. I don't think it was a mattress I on, the it was on the floor. Maybe I'll have. I'm not sure if I'll go back to see it, but. Yeah, and it wasn't that intriguing to me. I don't know if it's a film I need to watch a second time. Oh, yeah, no. And I watch films obsessively. If I like a movie, I'll watch it 15 or 20 times. Ain't nobody got time for that. So, (laughs) I do have time. Because with a good director, you get things that you didn't get the first time. Right. And also, sort of, you sink into it. But, I did like the music in it. I, yeah, I did too. I appreciated it. I appreciated the film, and I appreciated some of the characters, but just her... yeah. Her main dilemma didn't appeal to me at all, no. but I don't know if that's because I didn't understand it or because I'm too old for it, and these all seem like, you know, bad choices. Bad choices. Made. Yeah, and I'm like, yo, you're 18. There are but better men out there. I have to agree that I find Ducky to be a real problem, and I'm glad that the film did not end the original way because it does get that thing with. It feels to me like right. if I'm the she one you should be ed- with. If, if, yes, it would have felt a little bit like, well... Pick the nice guy just because he's the nice guy, not because you have mm-hmm. any feelings for him. And pick the poor one because you're a poor and the poors go together. Like, it, I feel like it would be bad on two two counts. Um, so I'm glad that I would have been fine with her not kissing anybody at the mm-hmm. end. Just dancing right. with herself. Or just walking home. She, all she was going to do was walk in and walk out. That was her goal. Right. Cool. Do that. <laughs> um. But so that's pretty in pink. Yes, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. I, there, you know, like I said, it's hard when you don't understand the motivation or not the motivation, the central conflict of the film yeah. at all. Yeah, it's like I don't care about that. The part. fact that the characters are so interesting, some of them, it makes you. I, I mean, like whether or not she wound up with one or the other. My investment was don't wind up with Ducky. That's yeah. as far as I was able to invest in the film. Yeah, and it was funny because like for the first what twenty minutes, mm-hmm. we're like everyone in this movie is terrible. And then they started getting less terrible. Right. But I was just like, I don't remember this many assholes in high school. I'm sure there were this many assholes in high school, but I have blocked it. Alrighty. So, do you have a recommendation? I have a recommendation. The only reservation is I haven't finished seeing it yet. Oh, no. It's um, a half recommendation. So, a brief history for those who are unfamiliar with Lost in the Space. Lost in Space was a television program from the same period of time that produced things like Star Trek. It was produced by Irwin Allen, who did a lot of science fiction television. What time period was that? The 60s? It was the 60s. Okay. Um, Sorry, I'm unclear about time. Yeah, between 1965 and 1968. Okay. Uh, And the show was about uh, the Space Family Robinson and how they get lost in space. That was the elevator pitch, right? Right. 
Space exactly. Family Robinson. Done and done. And Here's Irwin your Allen, money. <laughs> who did Land of the Giants and Voyage to the Bottom of the Sea. And I think John Brosnan in Future Tense, the science fiction critique, says he's one of the guys who needs science fiction in the groin. Because it's not science fiction. It's these goofy fantasy shows with, you know, huge roomy submarines that never seem to be pressurized. And they're pre- just it's unnecessary. Weird. We need to get cameras in here. Don't worry about it. Right. It was just it was very <laughs> weird. So he wrote a show about a spaceship that gets lost in space. The first season of the original show was in black and white and up until a certain point was actually very serious with things like we've crashed on an alien planet, we don't have food, we don't have water. And then... Legit problems if right, you are in fact lost in space. Actual problems if you're lost in space. But it was hearkening back to Swiss Family Robinson. And then it sort of water. like became sort of like... Oh, shit, I forgot the name of the show. The three-hour tour show. Oh, like Gilligan's Island. Gilligan's Island. Right. Now, what where happened? Where, like, groups would come to them. Well, what I like, discovered later trapped. on... Why are you... <laughs> ...is that the show began to compete against Batman, which was very high Ooh, camp. Ooh, yeah. And so, uh, Jonathan Harris, is that his name? Yeah. Who was playing the villain, Dr. Smith, who in the first season is, a uh, like, a psychopath. For some reason, Irwin Allen let him have carte blanche, and he played what later on June Lockhart, who plays the mom, described as a hysterical gay man who screams and runs and literally, you know, jumps and prances. And it became about his relationship with Will Robinson, the, the youngest kid in his family who's supposed to be a child genius, and a robot. And it really became centered around then. And the whole second season was Jonathan Harris basically running with this comedic character that he didn't invented who's like a craven coward and just overall a big sissy. And he's constantly we getting people like in trouble. We don't like that term. Yeah, I know, okay. but I'm using the term that I remember there was an episode of uh, uh, This American Life that just was about the term sissy. Okay, so specifically right. this is what he was going for. This is what he was going gotcha. for. A man who was terrified of his own shadow who literally screamed and ran when things got wrong. And... Um, not a villain. Well, for some reason, he was a villain because he was constantly trying to get off of this planet at everyone else's expense. Oh, okay. And the third season tried to return to the first season's kind of more realistic adventure, but the damage had been done, mm-hmm. and it got canceled soon afterward. But there are people who have really fond memories, but it was a schizophrenic show to be very fond about because it changed its tone so much. Mm-hmm. Um, what I liked about this recent reboot First of all, is that Molly Parker's in it, who I've always really liked. She's very good. She's very good. And they brought back the elements from that first season that were really kind of It serious. is very much lost. Right. We are lost. In we, space. Right. And I mean the ABC series Lost, as in we have landed in a place that we don't know what the dangers mm-hmm. are. We don't know... What's edible, we don't know. Right, exactly. What's water, what's... The physical peril of being in a foreign environment that you cannot control and you have no idea what's going on. And so it it plays that up really well. And in place of Jonathan Harris's weird Zachary Smith, Parker Posey... Is Dr. Smith. ...does a very kind of muted high camp, but high camp kind of nonetheless... Yeah, as muted as Parker Posey ever is. Right, and I've never had a really big opinion of her, although I'd liked her in some things that she's I done. like her very much, but I tend to be done with her in about four minutes. Because she I'm can like, turn it on really high. I've got it. I've got it. Right. But she's very good at And this. in this, she just... I would, and they're using her... Sparingly, right. which I think is good. She's playing an 
absolute nutcase in this story. Yeah. There's no other way of describing it. Yeah. Who's constantly, it's it's almost as if Jonathan Harris is weird, as he called him, space queen, Dr. Smith, took a direction. That's terrible. I know, and it was, ex- <sighs> but I don't know why he went for that. I don't I, know why the producers. It's like weird and gross, and I don't like it. Well, we can take that part out. That <laughs> no, way. no, no, it's fine. But, um... It's the 60s, and it's it why we don't, we're glad we're not strange. in the 60s. And I, yeah, it's one thing that took a step away from it, and it's been a, a source of contention. Where but she is like a psychopath. Right, she's a genuine psychopath, and she's doing like a serious version of that same character mm-hmm. that's constantly manipulating things mm-hmm. to their own best interests. And the the danger Will mm-hmm. Robinson robot is super good, right. really interesting. Something just happened, and it made me cry. <laughs> I don't know. We're that. not done. We're only right. five. No, eight. I think we're eight episodes. Are we eight in? Yeah. Oh, damn. It goes very fast. It does. These episodes are between 40 mm-hmm. minutes and like an hour and five, right. but they go by very quickly. Well, and it, to me, it, it filled the promise of that first season where, well, you know, what are they going to do? What are they going to eat? How are they going to survive? What, do they have any sources of it? That part, to me, was really And compelling. I like stuff like that, like, like the out of gas episode of Firefly, right. where I'm like, Oh fuck yeah! What would happen to you if well, you were in space and you ran out of thing gas? With Big Country, the film with the Gregory Peck yes. and Charlton Heston film. I and love the movie. The, there's a western called Big Country, uh, and I always thought when I was a kid and my dad would watch westerns, how do they ever get anywhere? Right. There are no roads. There are no maps. There's a city, vaguely to the west. And then people end up there? How many people just died in the wilderness? And big country, like, talks about Addresses <laughs> that issue. And, and, and I was just like, oh, the this is the movie the I wanted to see all when I was right. a kid. I was and like, it's a, for, aside from that, it's a great movie. It is a very good It's a great movie. It's an epic Western. But it just cast. felt like, oh, I'm vindicated. Well, part I of was it, right. Part of it is that the character Gregory Peck is a, a sailor. Yes. He gets married into a family with, of ranchers with an enormous and a sail- I like I understand how a sailor could navigate right. because he has stars and all that and stuff. And he uses a compass, which yes. was w- one of the plot points. Which I guess they mm. would do, but it never came up. It and so I was like, up. how and do you get right. anywhere without dying of starvation on the way? But there's a huge plot point about people getting lost trying to find their way from one enormous ranch. Mm-hmm. And they point out the ranches out there are the size of European countries. Yes, they're, they're huge. huge. They're massive. To the other. So, I mean, it's a good film if you want to see how a pacifist handles the kind of violence of the Old West. That's what the movie's really yeah, about. Yeah, it's but a really good movie. That scene in particular just draws an issue like, if, if you're coming from a completely different environment, how do you navigate this? And yeah. he finds a way to do it. But anyhow... Um, but yeah, so I, I'm really appreciating the direction they're going in. I kind of miss the old robot, but I like I like the new robot. I like but... very kind of 60s design for robots. It was originally done by Bob Kinoshita, who did Robbie the Robot. What is that from? Uh, it's from two movies. Robbie the Robot was uh, Forbidden Planet and also The Invisible right. Boy. That's so right. he loved doing these kind of gears and mechanisms and flashing lights. So that was... This one is more like a, a really wicked-looking suit of armor. Yeah, it is. It, it, it looks scary. And sometimes and for the purposes, it gets extra appendages. Right. Ooh, so scary. For the purposes of what it's doing in this plot, um, it needs to be much scarier. 
Plus, it needs to look like it fits in with right. the design of everything And that was else. the other problem with the 60s robot, is it basically was on tracks, so oh, yeah, no. the planet had to be perfectly flat for it to yeah, get no. around. <laughs> this some... planet is not flat. No, no, it's obviously not an indoor set. This is an outdoor shot in the actual... I, I don't know where it's shot, but... I don't know where they're shooting it, but right. um, I also like the um, multicultural right. cast. So the actual family, the oldest daughter, is half black, mm-hmm. at least. Uh, we assume we that assume Mrs. Robinson is her real mo- mother. From, this might be from another marriage or it might be... Well, a... she says that Mr. Robinson came uh, after, right. came, came later. So, yeah, previous marriage, previous relationship. Right. But she is a full daughter, half black, which is awesome. And then, like, the guy that has been, who's on another ship, that's basically been voted that he's going to be president of the colony when they finally get to where they're going, mm-hmm. is of Indian descent. And also the Japanese family. There's a Japanese uh, family, uh, several of whom speak straight up and Japanese. And the father is Kari Tagawa. Kari Tagawa, The yeah. great Kari Tagawa, the, you know, <laughs> who introduced us to Mortal Kombat in the film. I love Mortal Kombat! He, he, yeah, he's an actual... Member of the Japan Karate Association, and then the um, sort of extra guy who who existed in the original film. Yeah, is a a man of Hispanic origin. Mm -hmm. I don't know; he's Latino, which is great. Uh, The original guy. uh, It's very funny. He one of his gripes about the film going so infantile, or the show going so infantile. The second season is. I didn't spend year, seven years method acting so that I can talk to a carrot. That was like no, a, you did though. Actually, a turning point. Yeah, it turns out that's show. what this job wants you to do. So that is exactly what you. But were yeah, I, I really I, I know that a lot of the reboots. And this um, is a Netflix original. Netflix original. It is the third reboot of Lost in Space. Yes. Wait. Um, third. Third. Yeah. There was sometime in the nineties. I think there was an attempt to start it again. And there's a pilot that you can find on YouTube. Oh, okay. Like, that a, was a, com- like a show. Yeah. That so there's never a pilot went. that never got released. It's a complete failure. <laughs> and then there wasn't Matt LeBlanc yes, in there was a, a movie really in the mid-90s? High concept cast uh, with Mimi Rogers and William Hurt and uh, Gary Oldman was Dr. Smith. Okay, weird. He even does the I've know, seen that, but I don't running and screaming it. bit at one point. Oh, uh, just because somebody expected him to do it. Um, and uh, that one, actually, I didn't care for the plot, but the production design on that movie was beautiful. Interesting. Okay. It really was great to look at. But anyhow, so this is like and the so third attempt. The I think they got it right. I'm enjoying it. Yeah. I like it very much. And even if you don't like science fiction, it, there's the kids are real kids, which I like. Yeah, I don't... I feel like you could watch this and be okay if you're not a science fiction right. person. Um, but if you don't like shit that's set in the future, well then I got nothing for you. But yet. you're more in the woods than you are in the future. That's in true. the event. You know, that's and true. so it's people making the, the choices to survive, I guess, is what it's really about. Yeah. And they're eating MREs and stuff, mm-hmm. so that's meals ready to eat. Um I am going to well, I'll throw out a recommendation for Big Country. Watch that movie if you have it. <laughs> right. It's super good. Absolutely, yes. Um I am in a holding pattern. When this airs, everything that I'm about to say will be in the past. But <laughs> as we're recording, Westworld season two starts tonight, and The Handmaid's Tale season two starts on Wednesday. 
upcoming Wednesday. And so I am just looking forward <laughs> to two dystopian sci-fi People who follow dramas. recommendations, mm-hmm. warning about Westworld is there is a lot of sex and violence. Less nudity in season two. Okay. They've they've informed us. And I think that the reason for that is probably this. Somebody was, I was um, talking to somebody on one of my groups and they were like, why, why is there so much nudity? Why, why, why? And I was like, they really want you to understand that these are robots. So we're looking, there's a lot of nudity, but a lot of that nudity was not in sexual situations. Mm-hmm. They were nude standing in rows or nude, um, you know, in lab settings. Right. That's true. To get you to understand that this thing that looks like a person and, of course, is played by a person is a robot. I'd hate to have to play the robots. Tandy Newton and the rest of the actors really have to keep in shape. Yeah. Because they have to play physical ideals. Yes. So that's another reason why we're focused on their nudity all the time. They're basically made to either pleasure human beings or die or at die. their hands. Right. Yeah. So they have to look like stock characters. And so the, the nudity, the reason why I'm saying I'm not that I, I yeah. don't, uh, it bothered me. Um, but there is going to be a lot of nudity because there's a lot of scenes yeah. of just bodies lying just in Just bodies. And, and I think that that was done right. deliberately in the first season to get you sort of desensitized right. to it being human flesh. Right. And so I don't think that... I've seen... Uh, several articles saying there isn't going to be as much nudity going forward and then their explanation of why, and I think I know why, so I haven't mm-hmm. read the articles. I'm like, well, it makes sense. And there's an interesting point to the fact that there is sexual nudity, but it's mostly from the point of view of visitors to the park mm-hmm. who are basically using these robots for whatever purpose mm-hmm. they want to. And a, an actual turning point in the original series was when two of the actual androids decide to have sex with each other. Yeah. And then it becomes completely different. And you realize, wait, they made this leap to where they're not servicing human beings. Right, but it is likely, and that's a thing, a problem Mm. that people had with Westworld. Why are, because they're also in loops where they will just have sex with each other. Mm. And it's, um, there are ideas that it's lazy writing, but then there are other ideas that they're in these loops so that when the park guests come upon them, mm-hmm. they're in the midst of a thing. You're coming into right. something in progress rather than walking in and starting a scene, which right. feels they're not all standing around waiting for less you. immersive right. in a situation oh, less immersive in a situation like this, which makes more sense to me. It does make much more sense. As and as a game designer, like when or you know, from a game design perspective, when I'm playing video games mm. You know, those two non-player characters are having a conversation in the corner. They're existing outside of... Outside of... Yeah, right. And I'm walking into that. And that makes it feel more, quote-unquote, real. And so, as a person who really appreciated the original film, um, and appreciated what they did with the TV show... I'm looking forward to the season because it's also including another element, which oh, is... Oh, you're going to get to see Samurai. The Shogun World Shogun is what they're calling World. it. And it, the producers specifically brought it in because they liked the idea of how the Western and the Shambara, the, the Japanese samurai films, yeah. are two almost parallel genres. Oh, yeah, absolutely. That borrow from each other all the time. Right. And, you know, and there are... Yeah. Oh, what's the word I'm looking for? There are parallels. The, you know, mm-hmm. the... Geisha, I'm sure they'll yeah. have parallel those saloon girls. 
Right. Well, in when you look at the history of Western films or Westerns in film, they reached a static point. Kurosawa does Yojimbo and Sanjuro. Um, Sergio Leone sees those movies and makes once a, a few for a few dollars more and fistful of dollars, which are remakes of Japanese westerns right. that then get remade into American films again. Uh, seven, uh, the Magnificent Seven is actually Seven Samurai. Right. So they started borrowing a lot borrowing from, each, from other each other because they're because so similar, they're, which is really interesting because the like no one ever got lost in Japan. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? Like yeah. they're much. Smaller, so that piece of westerns mm-hmm. with natives and mm-hmm. you know savages and mm-hmm. stuff is not part of it. Now, mind you, I would like to for the audience. She is not calling no. indigenous people savage. I'm not. She herself <laughs> has indigenous heritage. Well, and she's sitting across the table from a person who's half Indian. Yes, so there we are. I'm talking about the tropes that are in. Right. We're discussing ca- the tropes. Uh, yeah, in in westerns. Um, which they don't really have analogs for mm-hmm. in Jap- in Japan. Right. But they did have almost like gangs right. and things like that, which you can set up as an- analogous mm-hmm. to cowboys versus Indians. Right. Or um, bandits, like they did in Seven or ba- Yes, right. Bank robbers and mm-hmm. things like that. Or just, yeah, houses against clans against each other. Right. Where you can use those as analogs, well, even though it's not a people versus another people. It's just groups versus tribes versus tribes. When Sergio Leone was doing The Good, the Bad, and the Ugly, the analog he drew between the warring factions in Japan was to set it in the Civil War. Okay. Which is very close to warring factions, yeah. you know, that are part essentially of the same group that are fighting right. each other. So there was a lot of borrowing, and so they felt that it was really appropriate to go, okay, it'll be another fusion like right. that. And you did see the samurai at the end of. Of the first season. Yes. You did. So, you saw a lot of stuff right at the end of the first season. I feel like, like I need oh, to wait, rewatch that episode. I'd like. Maybe yeah. that's what we should do this afternoon. And is then the, the other episode. one, that you, The Handmaid's Tale, yes. is just preparing people is very harsh and kind of dark, but it is yeah, really, really good. Yeah, Hulu releases really them one at a time. Mm-hmm. I think that's good. Binging is no. not... <laughs> you I don't mean, want to do that with this show. If you're a really super happy, positive person, maybe you could binge The Handmaid's Tale. But other than that, you need to do it an hour at a time because it's rough. And it's so close to what could happen that it makes it rougher. It's scary at times. And uh, this season is totally off the rails. Like The book is the book and the book is done. As far as I know. Mm-hmm. So this is like Game of Thrones, you know, going in its own direction for a season two. And I don't hold Scientology against Elizabeth Moss, but I know many people do. So if you do and you don't watch her, I respect you. But you're missing out on something. Separate the person from the performance if you don't well, agree with them. Some people can, some people can't. Right. I Yeah, I don't. She was raised in it, which I think gives her less choice. Right. frankly, but that's a whole separate thing. Anyways, so my recommendations are all just things, things I will yet. be, yes, uh, or, yeah, watch Westworld and watch The Handmaid's Tale. Right. And you're about to, next week, probably indulge in another one, Do which is uh, The Infinity War. Oh, yeah. Which, yeah, everything, it's a big turning point. You're going to I'm very excited about the upcoming Marvel media. situation. We've been watching Avengers. Uh-huh. 
uh, nope, Marvel's Agents of Shield, which is going in really Marvel's interesting directions Agents too. Agents of Shield, it's very good. I'm nervous about what's going to happen to Phil. <laughs> I very much like Clark Gregson, and I or Greg, that's his name, right? Clark. Gregson. Greg Clarkson. <laughs> Greg Clarkson. Oh no. <laughs> I think Kelly it's, Clarkson. I, but I really like that actor and I like what they've done with his character, but I think that he may be coming to the end of his turn. I just hope that he gets to kiss May before he dies. Well, that's very woman forward. There was a scene oh, yeah, for sure. in the last episode where um May and Daisy or Quake. Or I'm not Just sure. shut the men down. Like, Just we've got totally. this. We've got Just... this. They walked into a situation. They handle it. Yeah. A lot of kung fu. But the point is that it's going in this direction where the women, are, and even, uh, I, I won't ruin that because there might be people who haven't seen it yet. Mm. But the women are very for The woman, uh, the female villain, the, the yeah. character who makes a serious mistake and maybe unleashes something that she shouldn't have by accident. Oops. But that, again, was a decision that was made that had nothing to do with what will the men think. Right. Yeah, no. The, I, the women I, are really taking charge on the on the uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. And there was also a moment, too, I was saying, oh, well, gee, we're calling sort of Asian girls power thing, too, because that's that's both of them. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it's 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 I'm really appreciating it. Well, the, the very first season, I didn't know where it was going, and it's surprising that this is the same show. It really, like, the, I, I feel like I liked the first season. I didn't. I don't think I love the second season, but fourth and fifth seasons have yeah. been very. The second very good. season had a turn on one of the major characters where it felt almost. Oh, that's right. Forced almost, yeah. um, and right. it never recuperated from it. But yeah, it's certainly something to watch going forward too. And Ghost Rider, they had a great. The Ghost Rider series story arc, or story arc was, was very really good. good. Alrighty, so that I think brings us to the end of this episode, mm, which leaves us with a question. What are we watching next? So I think we're going to finish up this season. We're going to do a 10-episode season of movies. This will be number seven. So uh, the next one we're looking at doing is Slumdog Millionaire. Because Which I've never seen. Lemuel has never seen it. It is a Academy Award winning for winner for Best Picture. Danny Boyle film. I know you like Danny Boyle. Um, and then we are going to finish the season with Deliverance <laughs> and 2001 a Space, Odyssey. a Space Odyssey, both of which I have not seen. Uh, I just didn't think Slumdog fit in the between those other two, and that's why we're watching them in this order. Uh, so next week, Slumdog Millionaire, right. and then... And then, <laughs> yep, doing banjos, and Ned Beatty had the hardest part. So that's, yeah, that, gonna that's be going to be a very, interesting. very interesting discussion um, afterward, and wh- how that changed. I hope I like it. <laughs> uh, you probably will like the movie. It, there's one or two things that happen with a lot of people I know who who watch the film, is that they're struck by how really good looking Burt Reynolds is. I mean, because there are people who grew up with him as an old man. Let's, or the uh, let's not have this conversation right. now. But it's because our funny. next movie is a different thing. Right, it's a so. different thing. I'm, I'm completely, I have no idea what Slumdog Millionaire is about. or It's about a Slumdog Millionaire. Yo, so it's, it's like, got Des Patel in it, it's and a pet he's my movie favorite. Then, right? It's I like love an animated film? Indian okay. men and women. All right, Indian men. It's, I don't know Slumdog. <laughs> you didn't tell okay, me so 
what well, it really is. Okay, but uh, but I'll give you a brief overview. Uh-huh. It's a poor kid from the slums in India uh-huh. goes on Who Wants to Be a Millionaire, and answers the questions, and we see why he knows the answers to these questions. Okay. That's what the... the <laughs> that does not sound compelling at all. I know, but it is so good. Uh, uh, yeah. Okay. okay. Make that interesting for me. Oh, that's what I'm going to... No, 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 Boyle I'm not talking about I'm talking about Danny Boyle. It's like, make that sound interesting to me. I think you're going to like it. Oh, maybe. We'll see. And it has beautiful ladies in it. <laughs> but no kung fu or dinosaurs. There are rules. There might be kung fu. I don't know. Are there any dinosaurs? I don't think there are dinosaurs. There might be a dinosaur back there. Maybe a lizard? Okay, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> they are in India, so okay. there are lizards there. Um, okay, so that brings us to the end. Thank you for listening. Um, you can uh, subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts. We're also on all of the things, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, I think we're on Spotify. I said that like we are, but I'm not sure. <laughs> uh, definitely on Stitcher. Um, and tune in the radio program for your smart speakers. So if you've got a smart speaker, you should be able to find us. Uh, if you have any questions, concerns, yes, we used some terms this time. But if you want to take us to task... Please do. Please do. No, I, I appreciate um, being corrected. We are at latecomerspod at gmail.com and at latecomerspod on Twitter. Um, we have a Facebook page and a Facebook group. Come join us. You can tell us what you want us to watch for our next season. It's going to be a TV thing, so there are many things in the running. Maybe we'll do a poll. Poll. That would be a good idea. Um, if you didn't, no, that's going to be three weeks ago, so I'm not even going to say it. Um, I think that's everything. Thank you to, um, the Freak Fandango Orchestra for our theme song, Late as Usual. Although I might use the psychedelic furs on this one. We'll see how it goes. And, uh, remember, better, better late, late than, than never. never.